Good morning. Somebody has to suffer for Jesus on the beach. Why not us, right? <laughs> Just so glad to be with you this morning and the privilege that our, our pastor, my spiritual father, has allowed me to speak to you that I do not take that lightly at all. I'm just so grateful to have grown up in this house and to be sent, um, as Pastor Brett said. So we're excited and nervous all at the same time because it is a true leap of faith. Um, we're excited uh, to do what God has called us to do, but sad that we have to leave some of you to go down there. But I keep saying, I'm not leaving, just moving down the road a piece. See, I'm getting country already. Just moving down the road a piece. <laughs> some of you got that. Well, before I start ministering, I'd love to share this video with you. Leave us. I said, leave us. Get out. Dots, come. I am Joseph. Joseph. It is my brother Joseph. Come closer. Don't be afraid. I will not harm you. Am I to take the place of God? Joseph. It is not for me to punish you. You meant evil against me, yes. God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. This is a passage, um, an account of Joseph in the Bible in Genesis 39 and there 40. Um, and this is the scene where he reveals to his brothers who he really is. See, his brothers knew him, but they didn't know him spiritually. Um, Joseph was a dreamer, and he made the mistake in his immaturity to share those dreams with his brother, and um, or brothers. And his brothers, of course, looked at him like, "Yeah, right." And um, sometimes I'm sure Joseph looked at himself like, "Yeah, right." He was favored, one of twelve, was the favored, and he had a coat of many colors that his father gave him, but didn't give to any other other brothers caused jealousy within them, and then the dreams that he had didn't help matters, and it, the fact that he shared those dreams didn't help, and it landed him in a pit. His brothers sold him into slavery, and in the midst of being sold into slavery in this pit, 
He finds himself serving strangers, foreigners. Um, because the Lord was with him, he had favor, and he ends up in Potiphar's house, second in um, the command as far as the house, servant, a whole lot going on, and he had favor. He was accused of something he didn't do and was thrown into prison. And in the midst of prison, he meets two servants of the Pharaoh. They have a dream, um, and Joseph interprets those dreams in prison. They forgot about Joseph. And one day, Pharaoh has a dream, and the cupbearer remembers that Joseph interpreted dreams and said, well, when you were angry with me, there was a man in prison. He interpreted my dream. Maybe he can help. Sure enough, he comes, Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dream, and he is instantly promoted to second in command. Pharaoh said, is there any man wiser than this? So here he is, second in command. The dreams were about famine coming, and in wisdom, Joseph knew how to deal with the famine. He knew how to store up when you have a lot so that when you have a, the famine comes, you have provision. Um, so long story short, this scene is his brothers coming in um, to get the grain, and Joseph sees them, recognizes them, plays with them a little bit, but eventually reveals himself as in which we just saw. Our pastor said, somebody has to be sent to benefit. Now, Joseph was sent, but I don't think that's the kind of sending any of us want. <laughs> I don't think we want to be sold and, and betrayed and accused but all of those ebbs and flows ended him right up into Pharaoh's palace. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, the moves of God. But they land you right where you need to be. And in the midst of where you're going, God is dealing with what's in you. He's pulling that out and putting him in here. So that when you get to the place and where he's established, you're ready to lead. And not to be vindictive, not to be angry, not to be bitter but to really exhibit the heart and the character and the nature of God. So today I want to use this um, account in Scripture as a watermark for the text that I'm going to be preaching today, and I'll refer back to it. But our title of the sermon is Perfected Love. It's going to come from 1 John 4, 7 and 14. So I'm sure you have your Bibles. You can turn there, 1 John 4, 7 through 14. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that he might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Father, we thank you for your word that's alive, it's powerful. Lord, it transforms so, Lord, we thank you as we yield our heart and mind to you that you transform us. Lord, we want to take on your nature, and we know the word allows that to happen. So as we listen, even as you said, he that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. May we all hear clearly today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So in the topic of perfected love, there's three areas I want to touch on today. One is how we relate. Two is how we reconcile. And three is how do we redeem. So in relating, we must first relate to God according to this text. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. So everything we do needs to be from the position of God, not from the position of us. Everything is from God. So we know initially the relationship that we step into begins when we receive Christ as our Savior. We receive the gift that God has given us through his Son. And notice, when you, and I'm sure all of us are familiar with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So that's saying he gave us his best. So the outset of the example of love is that you give your best. And so here, as we relate to God and to man, it's the shape of the cross. Now, horizontally, you have to deal with your relationship with God. And when we come into relationship with him, he wants us to take on all of him and he wants all of us. Matthew 22, 37 and 40 reminds us, and this is Jesus talking. You shall love the Lord with your, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, this scripture sounds so good until you wake up and you either look at your spouse or go to work or your neighbor has parked in the spot that you've asked them not to park in several times, especially when it snows and you have to dig your way out only to find when you get home, your neighbor parked in what you digged out. <laughs> Sounds so good until we have to put foot to pavement and do it. But here God is telling us what kind of love he desires. He's telling this is how you love me. You love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. I was sharing with the first um, service that I love cherry pie. And when I asked for a pie, I don't want nothing missing. I want the whole pie. Now, don't go out and get me cherry pies because I can't have them right now. But anyway, <laughs> if I take a piece of that pie out, am I giving you the whole pie? No, because part of it, even if it's a sliver, it's missing. So it's not the whole. It's not all of the pie. And that's the deception that the enemy tries to get us to operate in, is that I can give God about 99%, but this little sliver here, I'm going to keep back for myself. I mean, no, that's not how God wants us to relate with him. He said he wants it all. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and ordered food and they didn't give it all to you? Are you satisfied with just saying, it's all good, I'll pay for it. I just seed into the restaurant. No, <laughs> you're asking... <laughs> You're asking the waiter or waitress, where are my French fries? They're missing. God wants it all, all of you. And we will be tempted all the time to keep back part for us. Now, is it because we don't love God? No. I think part of it is immaturity. We all go through the maturation process in the spirit. We don't fall out of the spiritual womb as adults. We fall out as infants. The scripture says, desire the sincere milk of the word. So the more we eat, the more we um, meditate on this word, we begin to get older. My grandson is now one, and when he was first born, you give him a bottle, like eight ounces, he's good. Now he's going to eat my food, his food, and everybody else's food at the table. You give him a bottle of milk, he looks at it like, are you serious? This is just appetizer, right? Why? Because he's matured. His, his stomach has grown where he can receive more. So after the milk of the word, how I many you know when you're growing, you go to the meat of the word? 
And so as we're growing in faith, there's a lot of things that our God is convicting, not condemning, convicting us on, because we know we're not condemned because of Christ. But he will convict us so that we grow up in him and represent him well to the world. And so we must relate to him in a way that we receive who we are in him, we receive what we're supposed to do in him, and rise up and go, be sent. When Sean and I heard the word of the Lord, it was last year, it was stirring. We had had prophetic words about um, being a church planner. And, and when I first heard it, I was like, yeah, right. And I'm sure everybody around that knew me were like, yeah, right. <laughs> but how many you know when the Lord speaks, he speaks to the end of the thing because he already knows the end of the thing. Sometimes we pop the video in and haven't seen the movie and we're yelling at that girl, don't go in there. <laughs> like she can hear us. <laughs> But those of us who've seen the movie know the outcome. God's already seen the movie. He wrote it. So he knows you. So when he's tapping on your shoulder, he's not calling to you right now. He's saying, we're getting ready to prepare because this is where you're going to end up. Here, Joseph's brothers had no clue that their deliverance was sitting right there with them in the form of their brother, Joseph. For many of them, he was the youngest. The only one he was older than was Benjamin. So in the midst of it, here we are, uh, a young man who has all of this in him, but nobody can see it. If you're not careful, the enemy will tempt you to kill what's meant to deliver you. So you must be people of the spirit that can discern, God, there's something about this. And when you relate with God like that, then you're not tempted to kill. Did they not kill Jesus? They asked for deliverance. God sent Jesus and they killed him. They asked for provision. God gave a manna and they said, what is that? So when you're not relational with God, you don't understand how he works. So your answer is sitting right there, but you can't see it. But when we love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, God flashes a light on it. And we may not be under, able to understand all of it, but we know there's something about this that I need to watch and grab hold of in faith. God wants us to relate to him in such a way that he gets it all. Now, when we see the, the scripture where it talks about in this text, us loving us, we're used to and familiar with the word agape. Um, it's the unconditional love. And that's how God loves us, unconditionally. That's why he loved you, gave you the sacrifice even before you got saved. He didn't say, get cleaned up and I'll send Jesus. He sent Jesus and said, whosoever will come. So he gave the sacrifice without commitment from you, without commitment in, in, in our obedience to him. But in the midst of it, this particular love is a gapo, which is an O on the end. And it actually means a full reverence, a direction of your will. Now, all of us have a free will in here. God has not created robots. And when you get saved, it's just, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, yes sir. It's about relationship. And I don't know about you, but some of the things God has told me to do, I don't want to do. Like, really, I do not want to do them. All of us that have children in here, we can relate or have been children. <laughs> can I get an amen? amen? But it's not about what you want to do. It's about what God has asked you to do. My kids will tell me, well, I don't want to do that. I appreciate your comment, but then go ahead and do what you need to do. <laughs> I wasn't asking you. I was telling you. How many know in scripture when you see commandment, that translation from Pastor D, that God ain't asking you, he's telling you. 
He's commanding us. It's a, a matter of obedience. But when we have relationship with him, it's not arduous to us. It's not hard because we love him. So although we might have to struggle in our flesh a little bit, we're going to do, we're going to direct our will to his. We're going to love him the way he wants to be loved. He wants it all. And so what did he do for us to be saved? He sent Jesus. He knew, Jesus knew there's other, side, uh, other people on the other side of my obedience. So I must go. I go because I love my father. I remember I was in a store and the, uh, Walmart used to be over there where Wegmans is in, uh, off of Waxpool Road. And they were going out of business. And I was all excited, and I'm in there just picking up stuff in the baby section. I mean, they had stuff all over the place. Clothes for 25 cents. So I'm racking my brain. Who in the world do I know that has a baby? I just buy these clothes and give it to them. And then I'm in the store. Maybe I should just get them and then find somebody. And I'm just running around with the cart and getting little baby clothes. And I'm thinking, well, no, I shouldn't get them because if I don't know anybody. You know how you just go through that. And then all of a sudden, the Lord says, well, why don't you get them from so-and-so? All of a sudden, my little balloon just busted because so-and-so had offended me. And even though we made it right, we were kind of, you sit on that side of the sanctuary, I'll sit on that side. God knows how to get in your grill in your yard. So now all that excitement kind of dwindled, and I'm throwing those clothes in. (laughs) Woo, he knows your number. And I'm into my recollection. I'm like, God, and I'm having a conversation. You know how you have those, feels like an hour conversation, but it's 60 seconds. But I'm like, Lord, if you remember correctly, I'm the one that went to her. And she really should have came to me because she the one that did it. But because I love you the way I do, Lord, I stepped out and I went to her and we got this right. But I'm good, God. (laughs) I'm good. We good. I don't hear anything from God. Let me help you. When God gets silent, just go ahead and do what he told you to do. That'll preach right there all by itself. So I'm flinging these clothes with an attitude into this cart. I get to to the checkout and I'm flinging the clothes up there like, I can't believe you had me doing this, God. I've already done what I was supposed to do. And don't look at me self-righteous like y'all don't have these conversations with God, because I know you do. And so the lady rings it up, and all my little happy is still not there. And I'm just, I'm doing what you said to do, God, because you said to do it, because I love you. I'm going to direct my will to yours. And the moment I paid for those clothes, something happened supernaturally. And I knew those clothes had nothing to do with her. It was about me. Because, see, I was deceived to think it's all good. But God said, I need you to love the way I love. So if you're going to represent me, if you say you love me, then you're going to have to come up higher in this love walk. So I had to relate with my sister in relationship to my father. And I realized in that moment, this is how he loves me. So I could fellowship with him, as as Paul said, to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. What is the fellowship of his suffering? That you can come in and even get a glimpse of how it feels to have to love somebody that's unlovable. Because that was us. That's what he did to us. He embraced us in all of our state. He didn't say, get right and I'll love you. He said, come here. And he embraced, he said, come close, draw near I'll do the rest. 
And so I was so glad to hand her that bag and I handed her with a good attitude. And I was so glad God checked me because I mean, you know, you could do what's right on the outside and still be wrong on the inside because God looks at the heart of a man. So I was so glad he gave me the opportunity to mature in that moment. Although it didn't feel good, I was so happy at the end because I felt like, Lord, I passed the test. Not just of what I did, but in here, God, I believe I passed the test. God will always allow you to take the test. And the good news is, there's an open book and you have a tutor called the Holy Spirit. And you can take this test as much as you want, as many times as you want. God will just keep letting it circle around like the beltway (laughs) till you get it right. (laughs) Why? Because we're not just supposed to take his name, we're supposed to take on his nature. This is the practice field right here. We get to practice unforgiveness. We get to practice kindness. How many of you are doing the kindness challenge? Oh, and we need more hands than that. We need to be kind. Look, turn on the news. Sometimes I turn on the news and between everybody talking about each other, I just stretch my hand, Lord. I declare kindness in this nation. Good Lord. What in the world? It's like adults are acting like children. But how many know it has nothing to do with age? It has all to do with the intellect spiritually. Where are you? So we have to be people who are ready to relate no matter what. I appreciated my husband's post on his uh, Facebook. Now, all of us that have Facebook, can I ask you a favor? Let's walk in perfected love. Now, perfected love doesn't mean perfect there doesn't mean without mistake. It means mature and complete. We're complete because of the completed work of the cross, what God has done in us. So positionally, we're complete. Now, what has to happen is our condition needs to equal out to our position. This is the maturity that we have to do. And so in the midst of the the NFL talk about whether to bow, whether to stand, now you got all these people talking, people uh, boycotting Nike now, just all, all the swirl in the air. I was loving the fact that we can use social media for the right thing. And we can add our voice in a way that brings a kingdom perspective. You know, we're supposed to be kingdom focused. When you get saved, you, you now are citizens of the kingdom. But if you don't have kingdom focus, you'll never have kingdom flow. So what's flowing out of your life doesn't represent the kingdom at all. It represents the world and the world system. But this is what my husband wrote. Kneel before the holy God. Stand for the righteousness and truth of God. Pray for your enemies. Love your neighbors even as you love yourself. Do good for those who persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. There's nothing in this world that can happen that God hasn't already spoken into. And so what we've learned is we don't have to tell him our opinion. What does the word say about it? Because when we relate to God in relationship, what comes out of our mouth should glorify and exemplify him. Here, Joseph's brothers knew nothing about love. Not the God kind of love. They knew self-love. You are impeding on my shine and I'm going to deal with you, Joseph. You're shining too much. But what they didn't realize is Joseph would later on deliver them. Be careful what you get rid of and turn your back on. Now, the next point is to reconcile. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You find that in 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says he first reconciled us to him. So now we have access to him. Not one, anyone else needs to go in for you, but you, 
because you have access to God. Why? Because he's reconciled us to himself. But after he says he's reconciled us to himself, it says, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So if you were wondering what your ministry is, you just found out today. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Now, it would express itself in different forms. Pastor Tiffany in music and preaching, the pulpit, AV, sound, children, whatever you're doing, whatever your framework, whatever your gifting is, it flows through the filter of the ministry of reconciliation. We're to reconcile people to God and to one another. Again, the shape of the cross. But when we don't have kingdom focus and we're not careful, instead of reconciling, we can get in there and wreck some stuff. Because our voice is not resounding what heaven is saying and only the words of God can bring change to a man's heart. There's something the scripture talks about right before this text, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You're operating in either or. God wants us to be people that operate in the spirit of truth. What is truth? And when we find that out, we're to operate in that, not the spirit of error. Joseph's brothers were in error. They did everything they could to kill him. Why? Because of jealousy. What we want to do is examine our hearts. Why do we do what we do? Does it exemplify our relationship with God or is it self-centered? Because that's what they were. They were self-centered. We are called to reconcile, to be reconcilers. In this day, as, as John was writing to the church, and we're not sure what church he was writing to in 1 John, but in that day, these are who the people were. It says, in the days of the Apostle John, there were those who taught that mere intellectual knowledge was enough to recommend men uh, and make them acceptable to God, though they lived in pure lives. John, therefore, tells them the only way to live is through righteousness and that we continue in that course. Now, we know it's not a self-made righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. When we get saved, we are now the righteousness of Christ. So we grow up in him, and the more we grow up in him, we look like him. That's what we're called to do. Without even opening our mouths, my middle son looks just like my husband. And an officer that worked with my husband stopped us and said, you're Sean Perkins' son, aren't you? We didn't know him from Adam, and he didn't know us. And, and my son said, yeah, he said, you look just like him. How many can stop us in the street and say, you belong to Jesus, don't you? You look just like him. Is your coworker looking at you like, I'm working next to Jesus? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but how's, how does that happen over time? We grow up in Christ. You know, our pastor um, preached a phenomenal message about the wheat and the tare. And he was explaining to us that God said in his word that we are not to separate the wheat from the tare. He would do that. And one of the things or reasons why I believe that is because the immature Christian and tare look almost alike. Because they're standing up in pride in what they believe is right. He said, but when the wheat get mature, it begins to bend. That's the maturity of the believer. That we bend our will to the will of God. We love him the way he, we, he wants to be loved and we direct ourselves to his will. Even when we don't want to do it. I was in Walmart. I'm telling you, I didn't want to do it. I was like, Lord, I'm good. I'm, I'm really good. 
But I knew I had an opportunity to either be disobedient or obedient. Those were the choices. God is calling us to come up higher to a perfected love. When uh, one of our uh, pastors from EN came and he preached on a Wednesday night, he showed this clip that I just showed you. I knew God was speaking to me because I was in that text and I wasn't even in Genesis. God took me there. And the Lord said to me, daughter, I'm inviting you to come up higher in your love walk. See, it's easy to love people that love you. It's easy to love people you get along with. But what do you do with sister sandpaper when she works your nerve? Or what do you do when you're sister sandpaper? Only love can fix that. (laughs) God is calling us to relate to one another because he's put us in the body of Christ together. We're a family, we're a team, we're an army. And he's called us to exemplify and demonstrate his word, not just declare it and know it up here. That was the issue in John's day. He was like, all of your intellect isn't producing the fruit of the spirit. It's not producing deliverance for people. It's not producing freedom. So your intellect is getting nowhere and it's getting in in the way of what God wants to do. How you know you have an intellectual knowledge is you know the word, but you just don't do it. God said, love your enemies. Pray for them, not about them. And I realized most of my prayers were praying about them. Lord, if you don't move them, I will. (laughs) Take them out, Lord. And then when you begin to mature, you find your prayers changing. Lord, I pray for their salvation. I pray for whatever's going on in their house. Something's going on, Lord, because nobody can be that mean on purpose. So, Lord, I'm coming and asking you to have mercy. I'm asking you to save this person and convict them, Lord. When we're immature, our prayers don't sound like that. It's all about me, 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 and me and how this situation is affecting me. But God is calling us up, church, to a perfected love that steps over all of that and does the will of God anyway. And we don't have to look far in how to do it. God said, just look in the mirror. How do I love you? How many mistakes have we made? How many times could he turn his back and say, you know what, I don't even have time for that. But he does the same test with us over and over and over again. It's open book that I said, and you have a tutor. So we need to be people of reconciliation. We need to go out, and there's some of you who haven't talked to relatives in years. But then we stand and lift our hands and say, I love you, Lord. God is saying, flag on the play. There's a disconnect here. And it's not that we're just willingly being ignorant, but we have a lack of knowledge of what God defines and what we're doing in our demonstration. And then let's talk about redeeming the situation. Here Joseph is, second in command. He was sent, and now his brothers realize who he is, and they drop their swords. They recognize what they've done. And what does Joseph say? Come close. Now, you know you're saved when you can tell somebody that's hurt you, come close. Because everything in us wants to move back. And now we're spiritual enough to know that we can't be so angry with them that we're not going to talk to them, we're not going to do that. So we just, we're cordial. But God, I don't see anywhere in scripture God's called us to be cordial. That's our protective mechanisms. That's us taking care of us. 
but God wants us to redeem the situation, have the hard conversations, step in and be a willing vessel for God to bring redemption to the to situation. In the redeeming place, there's two kinds of love, the abiding love and then the perfected love. The abiding love means to remain as one, not to become another or different or to depart. What is the saying? You started out right, but you didn't finish right. You can start the race, but how many know you can still lose it? So we are running to win the race. We're running to get across the finish line in a way that pleases God. There's a reward for everybody, so we don't have to fight each other. God has something for everybody when we finish the race. But we're called to redeem the abiding love that stays in God, that goes through him instead of around him. You know, most of us, when we deal with each other, we go around Christ, and then we talk to our brother. God says, try going through me. I went through the store the other day, and this perfume, I don't know what it was, but it smelled so good. So I was walking, and I walked through it, and it got on me. So now I'm walking through the store like, I got to find out what this perfume is because it smells so good. So I actually found a person in the store. I said, excuse me, do you mind me asking you what you got on? <laughs> because I carried that scent all around the store with me. And I had, I don't know whether they had just sprayed the scent or what, but there was enough lingering that when I walked through it, I, it was on me. That's what happens when you take the time to walk through Christ instead of around him. What's in him gets on you. And then the fragrance, not only you smell, but everybody smells around you. So when we love God, when we're called as a people to love him, we can't say we love him and then back up from each other. We're, we're confused. We're immature. That's not perfected love. That's not mature love. So I just believe in this hour, God is calling us, a ch- us as a church to come up higher in our love. When the Lord tapped on Sean and I's shoulder, I thought, Lord, now? Like, I, we got the prophetic word about five years ago about planting a church. I was good then. I hadn't built our, we hadn't built our house, our dream house. We built about five years ago. You know, the things that were, seemed like it was a better time. Now I'm good, Lord. We got our house. The children are graduated. We looking forward to empty nesting. We going to be traveling. And you want us to do what? <laughs> but you know, when you do the will of God, it always a little something, something in there for you. I've always wanted to live near a beach. I just never thought it was going to happen. Dreams that God had given me, I never thought were going to happen. I just talked it up to, oh, well, I heard wrong. And here I am way past childbearing years. And God says, now you're going to birth it. So when everybody looks at it, when you come visit us or either you move with us, you're going to look and say, oh, yeah, that's Jesus. That's his work. So what am I saying, church, today? And I know this kind of heavy topic because all of you are looking at me like, dag, Pastor D. <laughs> what I'm saying is God is sending us, and we got to be right when we get out there. Because you don't have the same grace you do on the playing field than the practice field. Am I right about it, D. Green? Go ahead and fumble that ball on the playing field and see what happens. Now, if you fumble it on the, on, the, on the practice field, your coach is going to get in your grill, but at least it's not on the scoreboard. But take that same ball with that same play and do the same fumble on that playing field and you are in trouble. We don't have the same grace in that playing field, the people that don't know Christ, than we do here on the practice field because we all have the same playbook here. God said, love your neighbor as yourself. 
love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. So we get to run that play over and over and over again. And if you fumble the ball while you're down there, just pray, Jesus, help me and get on up because you're going to be able to carry that ball again. And you're going to have to walk it out so that you mature in it so that when we go out there, people will see us. We'll be able to model what God has said for us to do. So as we close, I want you to think about where do I need to come up in my love walk, Lord? Where do you want to perfect the love in my life? Is it a relative? Is it a neighbor? Is it a coworker? Is it my boss? We need to be the church, not go to church. We're called to be the church. So that if your coworker never goes to church, they can't say they've never met Jesus because he resides in you. He resides in us. And when God taps you on the shoulder to go, as he did Sean and I and so many others, know there's other people on the other side of your obedience. And now you get the privilege to model what God has modeled for us. We get the privilege to see people healed and set free, to rise up out of addictions, to rise out of bondages. Y'all can clap, that's, that's huge to see God's delivering power work through you because you said, yes, may we all be like Joseph and go. And for those of you who have been in the pit and in the prison, know your palace season is coming. Don't give up your dreams in the prison. Nobody told you what your sentence was and when you're getting out. But let me tell you something, God knows better than we do. And all of this is positioning you for the place that God wants you to be so that you can exhibit perfected love. As we bow our heads, if you have not stepped into a relationship with the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if that's you and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, just raise your hand and we would love to say a prayer with you today that invites you into the kingdom of God, invites you into the relationship with the Lord. Raise your hand high because I don't want to miss you. Praise God, everybody is in the boat. Well, then that means, church, we need to come up higher in our love work. Never think there's a period at the end of the sentence. We go from glory to glory, strength to strength. Allow God to perfect our love so that we exemplify the kingdom on this earth. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for sending us to places that sometimes we don't even know about, Father. We thank you for the people that you're sending us to. Lord, as we are rising up and leaving and going to Myrtle Beach, Lord, we ask for the people in that area that they would come to know you mightily as, your savior, as their Savior. Lord, wherever we find ourselves positioned, may we, we walk in perfected love. May we relate well with you and one another. For you, your word said they will know us by the love we have one for another. May we reconcile those relationships, Lord, whether it's with us or others, that exemplifies your heart. And may we always be in a redemptive state to tell people that have offended and hurt us, come close, for God has a purpose in all of it. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your love over us. In Jesus' name, amen.